You're listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast, recorded from the Everstwar Chapel Fine Arts Center in Mishawaka, Indiana. Thanks for listening. This week is our Deeper Life series, a time when we consider what it means to deepen our relationship with Christ and submit more fully to His work in our lives. Our guest speaker for the week is Lena Abujamra, founder of Living with Power Ministries and a popular Bible teacher, podcaster, and conference speaker. Lena is also the host of a radio show and the author of several books, including Fractured Faith and her new Bible study, Through the Desert, a study on God's faithfulness. Lena is a pediatric ER doctor who practices telemedicine, and in her spare time, she provides medical care and humanitarian help to Syrian refugees and others in disaster areas. Would you please welcome to Bethel University, Lena Abujamra. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Heard you guys were on spring break last week. Did you guys have fun? Who had the most fun? Oh, someone in back had a really good time. What, are you guys up there awake still? No? Now? All right. It's awesome to be here. It's my second time here. Although, in a way, I feel like this is like our first date because we're going to be together for five sessions. If you're brave enough to come, I'm going to give myself a little plug tonight. I'm giving away things. I cleaned out my house and I am giving away things. Some are nice things. And I almost, my, my nieces and nephews are your age right now. They're in colleges. In fact, two of my nephews uh, have asked me to let you guys know that they're single, they're smart, they're athletic. They go to an Ivy League school. I'm going to have their picture uh, on my Instagram later today. So I told them I'd put that plug in, but that's not who I'm bringing tonight to give away. Tonight I'm actually doing some giveaways. And it's some, a couple of them, tonight and tomorrow, is going to involve electronics. I'll leave it at that. So if you guys are into electronics, come. And then some books and different things like that. I figure I need to, you know, some people, you know, Asbury, like they can have a revival. We need to, like, work for a revival here. No, <laughs> just season, just season. But the good news about hearing, you know, being in the spirit of Many of you have been, you know, in tune with, with what's going on in other colleges. And, you know, there's a little bit of pressure coming in as a speaker for revival, right? Because it's like, oh, what's going to happen? Like, am I going to, you know, speak something that's going to move hearts or not? And you have to constantly remind yourself, like, it's not about me, right? At the end of the day, like, we know that, but you don't want to be that person that, like, totally tanks, right? You're like, I just want a 5 out of 10, God. Like, I'll be okay if you just, you know, because on the other side, there's this encouraging thing about revival because, like, the speaker, I mean, just tell you openly here about how I feel coming to speak sometimes, the worry about will I finish on time, you know, we've got like 20 minutes to get you back to classes, but everybody now wants revival, and, and when I was in college, like, I'd have given anything to, like, get two weeks, like, I'd be in chapel for two weeks, like, skip classes, be here, like, I, I mean, and I want to be the speaker that's like, yeah, we're going to go, like, two weeks here, no worries, just bring in the pizzas, just going to hang out, but no, we're going to break it up, we're going to give you guys five installments of sermons, and so hopefully you'll be back tonight for the giveaways, and check out the Instagram later, and uh, by the way, I'm Lebanese. If you're wondering where my name comes from, it's uh, Lebanese, which accounts for a lot of my intensities. Don't hold it personally against our people. We're intense about everything from food to weather to everything uh, to God. And you're going to see that come through probably at some point in the next couple of days. And so, um, yeah, that's where we are now. That's my little intro. If you have your Bibles, if you don't know big, you can, they may have the, the scripture up there in a minute, but we're going to be in Mark chapter 4. Let me tell you where we're going for the next three days. Uh, I'm going to spend time in the Gospels looking at what I've called the series, The Jesus Difference. 
the Jesus difference. Does Jesus make a difference in the things that matter the most in our life? You say, what are the things that matter the most? Well, you're Gen Xers, and what that means is that you're born in a certain time that has Gen Zers. I'm sorry, I'm a Gen Xer. You're a Gen Zer. Same difference, right? I talk so fast, sometimes my brain synapses get broken up, but we'll catch the mistake and come back and fix it as long as it's not like medically, you know, going to kill you or something. That's good. <laughs> anyway, with that in mind, uh, here's, here's the five things that I found out are the most important to you Gen Zers, right? Uh, number one, mental health, all right? So we're going to spend today talking about mental health. Number two, uh, addiction and love, your love life and addiction. I'm lumping that together for tonight. And so if you're interested in love, come tonight. And then number three, finances. You're worried about your finances. We're going to spend time talking about money uh, tomorrow morning. And then uh, number four is the culture as a whole, you know, the environment, the big things. The refugee crisis is work that I do now. In fact, Friday I'll be going back to my home country to do the medical clinics that we have going on year-round. And so we come in and bring in meds. And so a lot of the stuff that are culturally, socially conscious generation, that's you guys. So we're going to talk about that. You know, what does Jesus make a difference in that? And then lastly, Jesus and the future and your calling. Like, what are you supposed to do with the rest of your life? So those are, I'm going to break those down in the next couple of days but that's sort of where we're going, the Jesus difference. Does Jesus make a difference in the things that matter the most? Because if he doesn't, then what are we wasting our time for? I don't need him for like the minor things, I need him for the major things. And so let's talk about these things. And so today we're gonna get into mental health briefly. We're just standing there in the front singing and thinking about the Lord and thinking like, what can someone tell you guys about mental health in 20 minutes or less? People have been talking about it now for years. And what is it about your generation that seems to be more plagued with mental health problems than the rest of us? As if we didn't have mental health issues. We did. By the way, we were very anxious too. We just weren't the anxious generation, as you have been dubbed. The most depressed generation so far. Okay, and, 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 and I say this with a burden, like many of you are going, yeah, like why? I mean, listen, like I've watched people from all ages call me. Now I do telehealth. I used to take care of kids in the pediatric ER until our work in Lebanon grew. And, and as our work, actually we're working now in the Ukraine as well. And as our work has grown with refugees in particular, we, I had to transition out of the ER. So now I see both adults and kids through the phone. So I see patients daily. I saw patients this morning. I love what I do, but it also exposes me to the realities of life and what you're going through, what people, what humans are going through. And I found that when it comes to mental health, it's fascinating because we're certainly diagnosing it more and because there's more medications, you can literally, I've talked to patients who in a three-minute conversation on the phone with the doctor have been started on medications for mental health. How does that happen, right? Versus others who have been going to doctors for years and begging to get help and they're not getting help. Like it doesn't make sense. And in all of this national debate going on on mental health, where does Jesus fit in? And in my experience, there are people who are on medicine in the church, and there are people who are not on medicine in the church. And one thing we all share in common, whether we're high on the anxiety scale or low, is that uh, we have a hard time trusting Jesus, whether we've been diagnosed with anxiety or not. Trusting Jesus seems to be a problem for us that, by the way, increases our anxiety level. And why do we talk about anxiety when we talk about mental health? Because 91% of people your age who talk about mental health issues say that it's anxiety that's the number one thing. More than depression, more than PTSD, more than OCD, more than whatever it is you want to lump under that, it's anxiety that gets us. So what does Jesus have to say about these things? Does it make a difference if you know Jesus or not? 
And for those of us who know Jesus, why are we still so anxious? Well, it turns out we're not the first people to struggle with these things. In fact, this book was written over thousands of years by a number of different authors, but the theme has been consistent in Scripture. People struggle with anxiety, and God has continually address that. In fact, people say, I, when I was growing up, I'm sure you've heard it at some point too, that the, God says in the Bible 365 times, and by the way, I, I, I want to make a little disclaimer. I hate those little things that you hear that people say, the Bible says 365 times, thou shalt not fear or fear not. And as if like that should be some secret pill that should make me feel better about everything, right? Because you've got one for every day. You know, if you just, just like remember them every day, I'll be okay. But, but, but the truth is that God does give us a lot of words about anxiety. I, I got to chuckle as I was sort of preparing, I've been talking lately, it feels like a lot on, on this topic. And, and one thing that somebody sent me randomly, not knowing that I've been focusing on this, was a little clip on, on the Instagram that somebody had done, like a little reel. And this pastor was talking about 2023 is the year we're going to overcome anxiety. Because the number 23 is magical in some way. Because in the Bible, every time you see the number 23, it's like associated with the fact that God is with us. Psalm 23, you know, like Jesus, like, you're, like the shepherd who, he's always with you. And then he shows some other verses like Matthew 13, where like, or Emmanuel, God is with us, is in Matthew chapter 1, verse 13. And he does this like analogy of verses 23 throughout the Bible. And I just laughed because I thought, what do you do with like Leviticus 23 and Numbers 23? And like, like, really, this is what we're boiling it down to? Like numbers and little tidbits that we can put in little fortune cookies that make us feel better about everything. Oh, I got the verse in my quiet time today. Thou shalt not fear. Everything's going to be okay. As if we can reduce the God of this universe to a small little tweet that we can hang on our phones to make us feel better. Does Jesus make a difference in your anxiety? Whether you're medically treated for it, going to a therapist, or have never even thought you have anxiety, the truth is every one of us in this room is worried about something right now. Here's what Mark chapter 4 says in verse 35. Yep, verse 35 through 41. It says, on that day, when evening had come, he said to them, he's Jesus, them is the disciples, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling, but he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the winds and the seas obey him? In the NLT version and, and, and in the other gospels where the story is told, the, the sentences used, even the winds and the waves obey him. So you're going to hear me probably refer to winds and the waves. It comes from those verses. I think Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell the story. And as we start, God, we just ask you to soften our hearts more than anything to encourage us with this truth. Really, this message is one where you encourage us. You know what we're fearing even in this moment. Jesus, help us to understand your presence with us even now. Father, help us to 
awaken afresh, not just to who you are, but to how much you love us and how you use even our struggle with mental health to bring us close, closer to you. Father, be magnified in this space. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Jesus and your mental health. When your anxiety is more than you can handle, I heard from uh, your uh, leaders that you're going to have finals in, what, six weeks, I think? So no question, there's some level of anxiety that comes with that, unless you're a business major, right? Now, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm totally teasing, totally teasing. And I'm giving electronics out tonight, guys. Electronics, come back, come back. I was trying to think of a major, like, really quickly in my brain, and I, I don't know why I thought of that, but I actually have an MBA for what it's worth, so I, I, I'm, I'm choking on myself probably in that. But um, anyway, <laughs> where were we? The, when your anxiety is more than you can handle, so if you're worried about anything from your school to your love life to your family life, some of you are here and you've got deep family problems. Some of you here are going through abuse situations even as it pertains to, to even potentially people in the school. Like our anxiety can be from everywhere. And so what can we learn from these little verses, six verses that are repeated the same story in three of the Gospels, by the way, if you've watched The Chosen, you've probably seen some rendition of these verses. And I, I chuckle now, you know, The Chosen has like become our way of finding out about Jesus. There is a better way. You can actually read the book. But, but, we, but that's always been the debate, right? Do you read the book or do you watch the movie. I'm a read the book kind of person. And when it comes to God's word, that is the way to go. But, but here, here's, what we, here's what we can glean from the story in the time that we have remaining. Number one, fear is a normal response to the storms in your life. All right. It's okay to be afraid when you're facing a storm. Storms can be big and storms can be small, but it's normal to feel afraid in that space. So the disciples get in the boat. There's a big storm happening. Some, you know, you know how it is in life. Have you ever been on a plane? Sometimes on a plane, you hit a little turbulence, you feel it, but nobody makes any announcements. Like, that's a little problem. Other times, the turbulence gets bad enough that you're like, my goodness, I'm really scared. You start to pray. The pilot comes on, says, we're going to be hitting turbulence for the next 10 minutes. But then other times, you hear stories. By God's grace, I've never gotten stuck where it's been really bad. But you hear stories of people who've had the emergency crash. That is a big storm. The storm that the disciples were facing was a big storm. Now, if you've been on a plane, it might not take a whole lot to create some sense of anxiety in your heart, even with minor turbulence. But certainly when you've hit bigger turbulence, I've been on planes where I'm like, Lord, Lord, oh my goodness, I forgot to pray for this flight. I need to pray now because all of a sudden you're like, oh my goodness, I'm so scared. And, and so the storm that the disciples are facing in this moment was a big storm. Though they were legitimately used to the, the boats. I mean, Peter was an expert fisherman from what we understand. And his brother was on. I mean, they had a group of people who knew what they were doing. But it was normal to feel scared due to the things that were happening around them. So when we look at your generation and people talk about anxiety and mental health, it's normal to feel afraid. Every other week we're hearing of school shootings and and, and, and problems that are bigger than we have ever imagined. Like you literally are at the mall minding your own business, you know, drinking your orange Julius, which I'm, I understand a lot of the 80s places are back now. Gloria Jeans has made a comeback. I, mean, I don't understand these things, but, but there's all these places that you're like, man, I just went to get a pair of shoes. Next thing you know, you're like, your life is traumatized. It's normal to feel afraid. When you see the economy and the inflation and housing markets and how am I going to make it? And it's normal to feel afraid. So I think the first thing that we need to receive is to give ourselves a little grace. I'm afraid. 
I remember the first time I went to the ER and, and as an attending physician, I was no longer in training. I was shaking in my boots for about a year. I would be, every time I would go on night shift, night shift is when there's less coverage in the hospital. Like you always want to get sick on, you know, eight o'clock on a Monday morning. Like, like do it when everybody's around. But in the middle of the night, it's like, I would have the sense like I'm all alone in this. And of course, it's normal to feel afraid. But here's what makes it worse. Fear is made worse when it feels like God does not care. It's, it's okay to feel afraid in the turbulence, but it's when you look at the stern and there's Jesus sleeping. What's going on there? How could he be asleep in the moment you need him the most? Do you know that has been the hardest spiritual reality for me to work through in my 50 years on this earth now? I remember being 16 and going to camp, and we, you know, again, the talk, the atmosphere now is on revival, not just Asbury, but the Jesus Revolution movie. Everyone in the United States talking about, oh, it's coming around the corner. Listen, revival has been going on in different fashions for centuries. And it looked different. For me, revival happened when I was 16. I was already saved. I went to camp. God did something in my life. I awoke to the reality of his presence, and it changed the direction of my life. I went from being a person who wanted to be a doctor to help humans to, to, you know, do what I was supposed to do for God's glory to stopping what I wanted to do and asking God, what do you want me to do? I still went to medical school, but now I don't do it in the way that many other doctors do it. I started a nonprofit. People go, why did you do that? Because I'm looking for ways to serve Jesus with the gifts that he's given me. We'll talk more about this journey in the last session, but just to give you a sense of where I have been. And then, and then coming out of that experience, I just felt such a keen sense of God's presence that I thought, man, I was unstoppable then. And then 10 years passed, and I went to my residency, and I had my first big faith crisis after residency and happened through a broken relationship. I'll tell more about that tonight. And then, just 10 years ago, I went through another big storm, and that had to do with leaving a church where the leadership was extremely abusive, and, and, and even we didn't even have language for that. We're walking through it. To this day, people are like, what was happening? We didn't know the words, and even as I walked through it, I didn't understand that what happened in the aftermath of that was deconstruction of a lot of things that I thought were important that aren't. I wrote a book out of that. That's that recent book called Fractured Faith. If you've ever wrestled with anything, I'll have some I'll give you tonight. Listen, all this to say, I didn't foresee the problems that would come to a person who had given and surrendered their life to Jesus. I was the disciples on a boat going, man, we're cool because Jesus is with us. And all of a sudden, the storm hits and we're drowning and I'm exhausted. And what's he doing? Dare he be sleeping? Some of you feel that right now. Some of you here are sold out and you're comfortable in your faith, but some of you, you've been wounded and hurt. And it might have happened at the hands of other Christians. The worst hurt that a Christian can go through is at the hands of other Christians or leaders because it leaves you marred trying to figure out who's God and who's the leader and who's, and it's so confusing. And you may be sitting here going, man, that's me. Where's Jesus when I need him the most? Well, Jesus was right there. In fact, when he woke up, here's a third point we glean. Fear really had no place when Jesus is in the boat. Fear has no place when Jesus is in the boat. See, the things that scare you and me, they don't scare Jesus. I'm amazed that when Jesus is awoken, have you ever taken a nap and you're like, like in a slumber in the afternoon, somebody wakes you up and 
you're always a little ticked off, aren't you? Like, it's just natural. Like, you're like, why are you waking me up? And, and it doesn't have to be in the middle of the day. It can be in the morning. Like, your roommate wakes you up. You're like, they're so rude. I'm finding another roommate next year. Like, it's just like, we, you know, right? And so, and so you don't wake up kind of going, oh, this is so great. Oh, my goodness. It's storm. Like, Jesus steps right into it. He's, he's unafraid by the storm. He doesn't even ask for a memo. He doesn't need to check his phone to see what's happening. He looks around. He gets it. And right away, he stills the storm with one word. The things that scare us don't scare God at all. In fact, the things that scare us don't stand a chance against God. You see, you see well, well, then why does he allow it? Do you know whose idea it was to get into that boat on that day? It was Jesus' idea. He's the one who said to the disciples, let's go to the other side. Do you not think Jesus knew what was coming? Do you not think that Jesus had a purpose in the storm? Do you not think that this story happened not just for them, but for us, so that we would thousands of years later read the story and understand that perhaps the storm you and I are going through is the very thing that's meant, us, meant to make us draw closer to God in dependence. I don't go to God when things are going great. I mean, I thank him. Like, you know, I have enough, like, superstition in me to know what to say and when to say it to make sure the blessings stay, right? Hashtag blessed, like... Who created that stupid hashtag? Like, I hate everybody who uses that on social media. I'm like, I will fire my assistant if she ever uses it. I hate it. It's, 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 the, it's the disasters in my life. It's the painful places in my life that have gotten my attention enough to say, God, wake up, I need you. But even more, it's this. Fear becomes worship when you finally see Jesus as your Savior. Most of us, if we grew up in a Christian home like I did, have heard the story of Jesus dying for our sins. I mean, we come to Easter, most of us understand it, we know it, we've practiced it. And yeah, Jesus died for our sins, I put my faith in him, he took away my sins, la-di-da, it's all good. And I don't even mean we minimize it to that degree, we love that, but we somehow disconnect Jesus as my Savior for eternity to Jesus as my Savior now. The God of the universe is in the boat. He spoke this whole universe into existence in six days. Yes, I believe it. I don't care what all the scientists say. I genuinely believe that if we serve a God who died and rose from the dead, that he surely can create this universe in six days. I don't have a problem believing Noah's Ark story. Listen, I've been a doctor long enough to believe in miracles. People get healed regularly, more so on the mission field. Why? Because they need more. They pray more. They don't have the resources you and I do. They come to God empty and broken and say, God, if you don't show up, we will fail. We don't have that here in this country. We will go to 85 specialists before we finally acknowledge that we might need God. You've got the same Jesus in the boat with you today. He spoke this world into creation, and you're worried about your problem as if he, God, you can take care of 95% of our problems, but this mental health thing is too big for you. Really? He created your brain. You are not defective if you're struggling with mental health issues. God will use it somehow to draw you closer to him, even if you take meds for the rest of your life. It's not either or, it's both and. 
There is a Savior who loves you, who is well aware of the storm in your life. He saw what happened to me 10 years ago and 20 years ago, and he has put there to create depth and understanding, and the very need that I have resented has been the very need that has brought me closer to him. You know what amazes me about the story here, and I'll finish with this. It's the last verse that I read you. Picture this storm. They're freaking out. This is not a minor storm. They think they're dying. They're hauling the water out of the boat. They're so scared. They're angry. They're confused. And in a second, Jesus, who could have prevented the storm to begin with, stops it. And now, most of us would have been in awe that the storm has stopped, and we don't see one word about the storm. Here's what we hear. They were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Do you know what worship is? Worship is when you become more in awe of Jesus than the outcome that you're looking for. Worship is when you stop waiting for Lazarus to come out of the tomb because you know that Jesus is with you in the boat. Don't be confused when you look and think that he's sleeping. He's never been more awake. I don't know what weight and burden you're going through today, but Jesus makes all the difference in the world if you'll just learn to trust him. God, I just thank you that you have invited us to trust you by putting us in those situations that create anxiety in our lives. God, we don't like to even say that. We think, well, can you, can you put those, us in those situations? The broken world does. God, I know that you are in control and that you allow things to happen, even things we hate. God, I don't, I can't begin to understand all the ways that you work and why you do what you do and how you do it, but I have learned in my life that you are present. Not just in the year 2023, but in every moment and every day in every second of our lives. Lord, in the next two and a half days, as we spend this time together, would you free us from the things that bind us? Would you give victory and healing where it's bound to happen today? And would you, above all, help us to worship you? God, we thank you that you're at work in this space. Bring us back tonight and help us to deepen even more the life that we have in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast and get more information at chapel.betheluniversity.edu or check us out on the iTunes store by searching for Bethel University Chapel.